So today is March 6th, 2021, a Saturday. Today is the first day of the online retreat at Wat Mapchan. So today we have the firm intention to gather together and practice the Dhamma. And this, when we say practice the Dhamma, this is something that has a, a broad and wide meaning. So usually we practice uh, giving, generosity, dana, and this is also uh, dhamma practice. And we also practice virtue, such as the five precepts or the eight precepts, and this is also dhamma practice. And even higher than this is to train our minds in mental cultivation, in bhavana, to improve our minds, to develop our minds, in order to develop and improve our minds, we must uh, engage in this practice of Dhamma as we're taught. And if one does not train the mind and does not practice Dhamma, then the mind is no different than a child with no caretaker, a child with no mother or father who is unable to help itself. And this child will do various things that are uh, harmful or bad, and the child will uh, likely end up uh, disabled or dead from this. Then, growing if they do grow up, then they could end up uh, being homeless in a very difficult situation. So these minds of ours are the same. If we don't train the mind, then the mind simply chases after all the moods and sense impressions that arise. And the things that the mind knows are, are six. It knows uh, taste, touch, uh, smell, sounds, um, smells, bodily sensations, and uh, mental objects and sights. So the mind knows these uh, six sense objects. And if the mind doesn't uh, isn't trained, then it'll simply follow after all these sense impressions and the feelings that arise based on them and follow the various uh, thoughts. And this is uh, known as ignorance, and this gives rise to the sense of self. And then this gives rise to uh, disliking, such as seeing something one doesn't like, experiencing something, and then this disliking arises very quickly, and then one can get angry and agitated. So if one doesn't know about training the mind, then one uh, may have no virtue, and then the mind's chasing after these sense impressions, this will lead to uh, potentially very uh, destructive and bad behavior. Uh, for instance, seeing or experiencing something one doesn't like, in having anger, then uh, the untrained mind, an individual would even kill an, another person. And this is something that happens a lot. So we can see that not training the mind has many drawbacks. So we train the mind to develop the mind, to not always chase after these sense impressions, to improve, to have mindfulness, to have this uh, sati and sampajanya this mindfulness and clear awareness. 
So we train the mind to have mindful recollection, to know sense impressions and moods as they arise, and to know when one is clinging to these sense impressions as well, to notice clinging arising with regard to the sense phenomena and to have mindfulness with this, to have mindfulness to know how does the mind feel. When the mind has greed, has aversion, has delusion, then know this, know what that's like. When the mind doesn't have greed, doesn't have aversion, or doesn't have delusion, then know this as well, know what that's like. And when the mind is experiencing greed, aversion, or delusion, ask, why is this? Uh, seek to understand this, why do these things arise? And when the mind doesn't, doesn't have greed, aversion, or delusion, uh, then seek to understand this as well. This is because of mindfulness and wisdom. So know this, have mindfulness, watch over the mind. We can call this uh, jittunupasana, the foundation of mindfulness of the mind. So have mindfulness with the mind at all times. So this morning I talked on uh, gayanupasana, the foundation of mindfulness of, with regard to the body. So now I'll talk on mindfulness with regard to the mind, which is another of the categories of the four foundations of mindfulness. So going back to the body in whatever posture, whether sitting, walking, standing, or lying down, one has mindfulness with these postures and have, has mindfulness with the various bodily movements as one goes about one's day. And one has mindfulness and knowledge. One knows what's happening with the mind. One looks after the mind knows the feelings that arise and has mindfulness with these bodily movements as well to not chase after uh, the bodily feelings. So train the mind to know its proper, um, proper domain. Just like a farmer who has a, an animal such as a cow or a goat or a sheep and so on and this farmer has a rope on the animal but if the rope isn't tied to anything, then when the animal sees crops such as rice, the animal will, will go eat the crops. Because the crops, this is the food of the animal. The animal doesn't know any better. It just sees food and it goes to eat it. So we can say that the fault lies with the human caretaker. The human caretaker should use the rope to restrain the animal and take care of its animal. So this is the same as the knower, the one who knows, looking after the mind, taking care of the mind. And just in the same way that the animal without a caretaker will go and do destructive behavior, just so the knower should look after the mind to take care of it. So contemplate the body to see, as, see it as something, a suba, not beautiful just as I explained this morning. And one can look at these, uh, the first five body parts which are taught uh, during the ordination ceremony because these are the things that cover over the rest of the body, cover over the internal organs and all the various things that one uh, can't see with the physical eye. And these five parts are the hair of the head, hair of the body, uh, nails, teeth and skin. 
and one looks closely at them, contemplates them, to see them as asubha, not beautiful. And we train the mind to be with this contemplation, to know the body according to the truth, and to not be lost in the body and seeing the body as a self and seeing other bodies as other selves. Because when one sees one's body and other bodies as self and other, then greed, aversion, and delusion arise. And this is because of clinging to the body as a self. So in this Dhamma practice, we try to be mindful. We contemplate the body, and this is capable of bringing our minds to peace and stillness. And when the mind is still and peaceful, then the mind's able to see the body uh, disintegrate, see it um, degrade into the various four elements of earth, air, fire, and water. And even these four elements themselves degrade and pass away uh, into emptiness. So when the mind is strong and has energy, it's able to see this uh, as it is, as impermanent, stressful, and not self, anicca, dukkha, anatta. And seeing this clearly, seeing the body clearly, one sees the body is just a body. It's not a me or a mine or a self. And we can call this vipassana, clear seeing. So in the beginning, we practice contemplating the body as described, and this gives rise to peacefulness. And we contemplate the Sorry, in the beginning we have mindfulness with the body with regard to the uh, four postures and with the not beautiful aspects of the body, the asubha practice. We can look at the four elements of earth, air, fire, and water. And also this practice of mindfulness of breathing, this is also um, body mindfulness, knowing the in and out breath. And all these practices uh, bring the mind to peace and stillness. This is all about the body. So when the mind is peaceful, then we contemplate, contemplate again to see the body as something ever-changing, something that uh, can't last, something that's not a me or a mine. And this gives rise to wisdom. When wisdom arises, then the mind is able to be empty, to see that the body is just a body. And when this happens, the mind is one thing, the sense impression is another, and the body is another. The knower looks after the mind, takes care of the mind. And we have this knower teach the mind about the way things are. And when the mind is peaceful, the mind is, is able to learn and accept when the knower teaches that the mind is one thing and the body is another thing, or that the body is ever-changing and not self. But if the mind is not peaceful, then it won't, it won't believe um, when the knower tries to teach in this way. So we continue to practice and contemplate. We see if we like something, we consider that this is something not sure, not stable, anicca. And when we dislike something, we consider this disliking is not sure, not stable, it's impermanent. So we teach our minds in this way. For instance, someone we love, um, in any moment we may have a feeling of disliking or anger towards them. And someone we dislike, this feeling of disliking may change into a feeling of 
of liking just the same. So we can see that these feelings change. They're not stable. So we train our minds to not chase after these feelings and moods. Have mindfulness to look after the mind and not chase after moods and sense impressions. And when the mind is able to be trained in this way, then the sila, samadhi, and panya, virtue, collectedness, and wisdom gather together. And when sees the mind is just a mind, it's not a me, a mine, a self, or an other. We see that the mind of greed arises and passes away. The mind of aversion arises and passes away. The mind that has uh, collectedness or samadhi arises and passes away. The mind with pity and sukha, rapture and bliss, arises and passes away. So we can see that none of this is a me or a self. Everything in the mind arises and passes away. And given this, we shouldn't cling. And we see that it's simply not a self. And with this arising of wisdom, one is capable of letting go. So this is knowledge and wisdom arising from Dhamma practice. So in the beginning we try to have effort, try to cultivate mindfulness, try not to get lost uh, during the day. And we can use a meditation word as a support for maintaining mindfulness during the day, such as repeating Bhutto, Bhutto. And we see everything as ever-changing, as anicca, and as uh, simply conventions. And when the mind begins to proliferate, then we become lost in the things of the world. So we can consider, um, what was I thinking about today? Did I have mindfulness? And one continues with the practice of repeating the mantras, Budo, Dhammo, Sango, or repeating the mantra, or the chant of the praises to the Buddha, the Itipiso chant. So we have this meditation word in mind during the day, not, and this helps us not to chase after the sense impressions and feelings. And we can call this the Indriya Sangwara, sense restraint. And this is one of the three practices that the Lord Buddha taught is a practice that's always correct, that's always uh, helpful, always appropriate. So aside from sense restraint, there's also restraint with regard to sleep. So we can look at our own body and see maybe uh, five to seven hours uh, could be enough. So look at one's own body and see what's the proper amount of sleep. And also restraint with regard to food. So see uh, how much food is enough as well. And train oneself to look at the mind. When kilesa, when uh, defilement arises, this is based on the mind contacting with the six senses and receiving sense impressions from the, from the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body or the mind. And based on contact at these six senses, then feelings arise of uh, pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. And based on this, then there's uh, clinging and grasping and attachment. So have mindfulness right here have mindfulness right with this process. And when mindfulness uh, is not present, then simply uh, continue to try to have effort. 
And when the mindfulness is weak in this way, we do the chanting practice, which is something very supportive. So pick a chant and be proficient and be firm in this chant to repeat in one's mind, to make the mind still. <coughs> and then this chanting will help make the mind strong. Then the mind is able to, to fight with these various um, defilements that arise in the mind. Because the mind with no strength, with no energy, simply chases after the sense impressions uh, incredibly quickly. For instance, one sees a form with the eye, one sees a person that one doesn't like, and extremely quickly, as soon as one sees them, one sees them as a separate self, and oneself as another self. So right here, this sense of self has already arisen uh, based on contact at the sense door of the eye. So we teach the mind that this is something anicca, impermanent, in truth, there is no me and you there. And we teach the mind in this way. And the mind may not accept this teaching, may not believe it. So we train the mind and ask it, uh, where exactly is the self? Is the self in the head of the hair of the head? Is the self in the hair of the body? Is the self in the teeth? Is the self in the skin and one can take out and separate each of these five parts of the body and really ask when you take out the hair of the head and put it on the ground do you still feel like it's yours does it belong to you or when you cut your nails is the those nail trimmings are they are they you are they a self and similarly with the skin when the skin uh, peels off or gets brushed away, is that still a self? And when the teeth rot and fall out, are those teeth still uh, still a me, still a mine? And same with the bodily hairs as they fall out, just asking, is this a, a self, is it mine? <coughs> so we feel like these various body parts are a self because our nerves are connected to these body parts and the nerves send the sense uh, information to the brain. And so we build up a feeling of self based on this experience of nerves sending uh, nerve impulses to the brain. So we train the mind to be peaceful and contemplate that really it's not, not a me, not a mind, not a I. And we can continue to contemplate and ask, where is the me, where is the you? Where exactly uh, can we find that? And so wherever, wherever we feel a sense of self, investigate right there, uh, where is it based? And when we see clearly that there's no self there, there's really no me or mine or anything belonging to a self, then the mind becomes very at ease, the mind becomes peaceful and collected. So this is teaching the mind to become peaceful and samadhi arises. And with this samadhi um, in the mind, the one sees clearly uh, it's just the earth, air, fire, and water. It's just a body. So all day long we seek to practice and cultivate the four foundations of mindfulness, these four satipatthanas. Sometimes we have knowing and awareness, and sometimes we're lost. 
And when the mind gathers in samadhi, then we can see this body clearly, see it as it is. And this is because the mind is still. And we can also achieve this stillness of mind from contemplation of death, contemplating that death is for sure, life is unsure. Um, the moment of death uh, must come inevitably and we don't know when that will be. Or we can gain peacefulness from the contemplation of impermanence, seeing things as unsure and unstable. Or from the contemplation of the not beautiful um, qualities of the body. Or from mindfulness with the postures and with the movements of the body. So whatever it is, all these various uh, practices we all, whatever practice we're doing, we need the mind to become peaceful. <clears throat> we need this mindfulness or this samadhi to arise. And with samadhi arisen, then when the mind begins to proliferate, we have mindfulness know in time the proliferation of the mind as it arises. And this gives the opportunity for true wisdom to arise right there. And with this uh, still mind experiencing proliferation with mindfulness, we can see clearly that it's not a self, not a mind. And then this uh, brightness of mind arises, wisdom arises. So in the beginning we teach our minds that it's not sure, it's not a self, it's not a me or a mind or a you. We teach our mind in this way, teach it that it's anicca, dukkha, anatta, ever-changing, stressful and not a self. Because this, these qualities of anicca, dukkha, anatta are there already uh, in nature for us to see. So practice in this way, contemplate in this way, give rise to samadhi and peacefulness in the mind. And may you see the Dhamma.